peace, quiet, and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability. Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted. The jury found that they were all not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, We've not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. There's a series of fires, a lot of looting is going on, a disaster area, obviously. The jury found that they were all not guilty, not guilty. Make it rough. Make it rough. Yo, mugs, make it rough. Okay. Uh, if you are listening to this, if you are hearing my voice right now on this broadcast, then congratulations. You are in the 5%. You've made it into the Chapo Grey Wolves inner circle. You are our elite crack unit of subscribers. And we are now bringing you the first ever Chapo Trap House premium content. Your trillion years of servitude aboard Chapo Sea Org begins now. You are, I think there are 261 of you. That's fucking awesome. You, there, more will join your ranks. I'm hoping for, you know, out of the 12 tribes, uh, 144,000 are chosen. And they will eventually be you, but you've gotten in on the ground floor here of this excellent premium content, this bonus show that we're recording for you. When Almadi returns to Earth and he calls the righteous and the wicked to account for their misdeeds and Elijah comes in on his flaming chair, casts aside the evildoers, the only people who will be safe will be you, the premium listeners. Your names have been inscribed in the Book of Life. You are, you are sitting at the right hand of Chapo and, and you, are the, you are the originals. Uh, so first off... We want to thank you for uh, choosing to kick in uh, a little bit of your hard-earned money to the uh, the, the Chapo uh, Society for the Betterment of uh, Justice and Development uh, and getting this uh, excellent uh, premium content uh, where we will uh, now read from my dream journal for the next 30 minutes or so. So I hope you strap in. I hope you guys are ready. Uh, we are, or we're obviously going to continue, uh, destroying. And I think the topic of, uh, this first, uh, premium bonus show will be sort of a follow-up on, uh, what we talked about, uh, on last week. And what, what we want to do here is, uh, follow up on, on a few points that have happened, um, since we recorded, uh, episode 11 with, uh, Matt Taibbi. Um, about uh, some more of the fallout of the uh, the Brunig, Le Faire Brunig, the Brunig supremacy, um, because uh, obviously uh, it's still percolating and there's still some things uh, going on. What do you say? Let's do it. We have a uh, we have a big fat duck for you guys. I mean, like just just re- I mean, I think the show is just like it's just one long duck hunt, really, and one duck in particular. And we're gonna get to him, but. Um, I want to start off by reading something uh, that came out uh, just this week that I thought was excellent. Uh, it's by Sam Chris, and it's uh, in defense of personal attacks. And I just want to read this other thing because, yeah, it, it, it's it's he, he nails it. He says, um, debate club rules are not universally applicable. 
When people demand that discourse only take place on the level of ideas rather than ugly reality, it's often because there is something in reality they'd rather not face. The people who really object on principle to being mocked or insulted, the ones who decry it as violence, tend to be far less critical of actual, physical, deadly violence. <laughs> Blood is fine. Dick jokes are not. Well, that doesn't sound yeah. familiar at all. What? <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, he nailed everything that happened this week in, in that one paragraph. But he goes on to into some of the specifics that we're going to talk about uh, right now. He says, uh, what unites the liberals attempting to demonize Brunig, Sadie Doyle, Joshua Faust, Jordan Kay, and others you're probably very lucky to have never heard of, is their total uselessness at good, vicious political invective. It's just not their natural terrain. They like to condemn groups and caricatures, slinging their mud out of a bucket from on high where they never get dirty themselves. They're incapable of getting a decent playground insult to land on any one individual. The other option besides violence is to whine that you're being mean. Uh, and then she goes, case in point is Doyle, who once wrote that, quote, trying to parse Hillary Clinton without also parsing Hillary hate is like trying to drink water without touching the glass. Apparently never having heard of the popular invention known as the straw. My straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. Now, he, he mentions three people at the top. Um, and Sadie Doyle, okay, Jordan Kay is that gormless faced, sad looking moron. Silicone Jim. Silicone Jim. I'm sure you see his sad looking face. He's the guy uh, who pop up he's inventing timeline. a app that helps you uh, hack your Wii so you can fuck Wario. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um and Sadie Doyle uh probably the less said about her is the better yeah, uh, yeah. she's a, she's a genuine basket case um that like you know I, the, these people are irrelevant but the the, the person I wanted that we're going to talk about is this guy Joshua Faust because like he has exited the orbit of just like lame twitter dipshit into like the into a world of actual evil and like he very much is and what he did this week, and again, I don't want to get into specifics, you can find out for yourself, but he took it upon himself before fucking shuttering his account like a fucking coward to really try hard to fuck with the livelihoods of uh, Matt and Liz um, because he was apparently so offended and so shocked by what they did. But um, this guy has no fucking conscience. And okay, so like, if you can, like, how, how, how best to describe who joshua faust is and what joshua is joshua faust uh he grew up getting bullied getting his nose broken in school getting laughed at uh he talks about this on his personal blog he talks about how he wants to be an evil genius he talks about how he fantasized shooting up his own school joshua faust will tell you that he made good by his career that he took all these dark thoughts and turned them into a life of success when really all he's done in his career is whitewash for genocidal madmen and defense contractors. He never had the fucking nuts to kill anybody himself, but if you killed somebody and you have a check that can, you have direct deposit, Josh will fucking lap up your mess. Like, if you can imagine the city of Washington, D.C. as like a giant whale that has died and sunk to the bottom of the ocean... Uh, Joshua Faust and those like him are like the sort of 
colorless blind crabs and hagfish that are just writhing and coursing through its leviathan corpse just like slowly stripping it bare like that's what joshua faust does for a living he is basically the last like or second to last link in like a massive human centipede that begins with like defense department contractors and their central asian clients like like the sort of despotic uh rulers of kazakhstan and uzbekistan like joshua faust is paid by these people to attack their critics and that's not an exaggeration no yeah this is exactly what he does uh but he's also shitty at it these dictators they're not getting their fucking money's worth i don't know how you become a joshua faust maybe you're you act as frank carlucci's human footstool for two years like maybe you maybe you clean the gunk out of fucking ted shackley's mouth but this is just this guy is incompetent, lowest of like low. He's, he's a, like he's 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 like he's a he's a he's a bad writer. He has no he has like a, a just a totally banal person who's like one ability is that he's like completely surgically removed his like conscience or like whatever remnant of a soul he once had. Like and and this is the thing like we like this is well known among certain people. Like I mean there's there's a fucking dossier on this guy that what he does is he he pitches himself to outlets like the Atlantic or even like the Daily Beast or like or anyone who will have him and like he'll he'll pitch like uh pieces to them um like you know about an issue or criticizing someone but what he doesn't do is that he never he do, like he pitches himself to media outlets to write about a topic but then never discloses that he is also being paid by the very people he's writing about like including the government of Uzbekistan or various, uh, you know, uh, defense department contractors. Like for instance, uh, a couple of years, like back in 2010 or whatever, the Washington post, uh, did this huge investigative series, uh, about this kind of like the whole network of the defense contractor industry. And he wrote a critique of that piece for the Columbia journalism review, um, that they had to run a correction on because he never disclosed the fact that he works for Northrop Grumman at the time. And the whole point of his critique of this uh, expo, the investigative expose was that, oh, well, you know, it's really not telling us anything we don't already know. And like, this is very much how he operates. We're like, he'll uh, write a piece in the Atlantic that, uh, about um, human rights abuses in these Central Asian countries. And, and it's like, he's sort of half smart. So what he'll do is he'll uh, he'll criticize um, he'll criticize like the government of Uzbekistan on something that's irrelevant to them, but he'll direct most of his ire at the people who are criticizing them. So it's always this setup of like he'll be like, well, now of course. Uh, you know, it's bad to boil people alive, but really, you know, a, a labor strike. I think uh, people in the West are making too much of too big of a deal about this. And this is an article he wrote about um, oil, an oil strike that was going on uh, in Uzbekistan, where I think about a month after he wrote this piece in the Atlantic, uh, the very government he works for uh, massacred uh, 70 people, at least 70 people. Like, the, like, this is who this guy is, and that, like, he was so shocked by, uh, you know, what, what Matt said to Neera Tandon. We, I mean, we make fun of the phrase, you prove my point, a lot, but I honestly think that the whole Josh Faust play in however many acts it was mostly took place yesterday uh, proves the entire thesis that we've been, and people on this side of this contremps have been making. You've got a guy in, the, in Faust who does actual evil in the world in terms of propagandizing for warmongers and dictators. Uh, 
his evil is sort of sublimated by politesse and, and professional courtesy. This guy gets outraged by Matt Bruning saying scumbag to someone who he feels deserves better deference. And then he goes on a jihad of trying to get these people to basically be totally impoverished. He wants their lives to be ruined for this tweet. And then everybody tells him he's a scumbag and he closes his Twitter. Now, there's two sides to that. There's his side where I stood up for this for against abuse and it pro- they, they proved my point by attacking me in a coordinated atta- effort. That's, you know, that's what he's thinking. But I think, I hope that any reasonable observer could say the guy who is a piece of shit propagandist for murder and then does the actual real world step of trying to get people fired and then totally unsurprisingly has a bunch of different people without any needed coordination telling him he's a piece of shit, that that is the guy who's actually could like materially being a scumbag in the world. It's not the guy who had a tweet that is considered intemperate. And like, this is sort of like similar to what we were talking about uh, with Derek about uh, the, the David Samuelson guy where he like, you know, presents as kind of like, you know, a normal, like sort of liberal media guy, but yet he's like doing these like panels at like these blood soaked think tanks about how we need. And like, but, but, but he like, they're, they're allowed to function in that regard because like they always, sort of set it up like it's um, a matter of liberal concern. And this is what this is what Josh Faust does with Matt Brunig, and it's what he does with, like, the invasion of Iraq. He'll, like, with Matt, he'll be like, I, you know, th- this guy harasses women. I'm standing up for women. Or if it's like the United States wants to uh, invade a country, he'll just be like, oh, since when did liberals, like, not believe in liberating people or, like, liberating women or something like that? So that's how he, and that's how he gets in the pages of, like, the Daily Beast or the Washington, or the Columbia Journalism Review or the Atlantic or whoever else is fucking lazy and unscrupulous enough to fucking actually publish this yeah, guy. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's about one step above the young cons, the fucking tall rap conservative guys who look like they have Marfan syndrome, <laughs> where they're like, they'll post a meme where they'll be like, liberals say they respect women, but they don't want them to have guns. Think about it. <laughs> what Faust does is just a longer version of that when it comes to wars. Yeah, and like, you know, it, it just like, Keep this in mind. Like, I think he's very uh, instructive to how this whole field of, like I said, h- hagfish in the uh, quote strategic communications industry really works. Is that like they'll always concede one point, but you should always be wary of the one they're not conceding because that's where their interests really lie. And you can see that, like I said, in his coverage of um, Central Asia or the war in Iraq or whatever. But but here's another thing uh, about also how this thing works and, and about how these people use like identity politics to get away with this kind of shit. I, I found an article he wrote in, uh, in Foreign Policy magazine this week. Um, it, it wasn't published this week. It was from uh, 2015. And the title of the article is... Um, what it's like to be gay in the ultra-masculine NATSEC community. And then the sub the subheadline is, even post don't ask, don't tell, it's still a world of homophobic slurs and awkward questions about my wife. Now, I don't my want to read too much. For it. <laughs> talk about Talk about <laughs> Kazakhstan, Jesus. Um, I just want to read the beginning of, of, of this article. Just like, just try to imagine this scene that he's painting here. So he says... Um, 
A few months ago, I was at one of those boozy early evening events that bind together professional life in Washington, D.C. Oh, I wish I was, it ended like Chappaquiddick. <laughs> <laughs> I was there to meet a retired White House official who was holding court off to the side of the party and after offering a few remarks to the gathered crowd about his career working in national security policy. Like, okay, you could say nothing further. This already sounds like my vision of what hell is like, the being at this fucking function. But he goes on. He says, when it was my turn to shake his hand, his eyes darted to the wedding ring on my left hand. It's great to meet you, he said. Is your wife around? It was a simple question, one that most people would not think twice about, but for me, it brought up a familiar discomfort. I stuttered for a few seconds, then corrected him. My husband isn't here. He's away on a work trip. The senior official batted an eye, hesitated for the briefest of moments, and said, that's great, before moving on to meet other people at the party. He never made eye contact with me again for the remainder of the party. Now, I imagine that he's probably talking about, like, fucking Donald Rumsfeld or something right here, and the event he's at is, like, um, you know, the annual gala fundraiser for, um, you know, fuck, what's that Iranian terrorist group? That, MEK. Uh, yeah, they were the, yeah, M- yeah, they M- were the M- MEK holiday mixer. They're at the Team B uh, uh, trust fall session. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're at, yeah, they're, no, he, they're at the they're at the Jundala, uh <laughs> fucking jungle juice bat, bash. Like he, he's at the he's at this horrible fucking party to like waiting to kiss the ass of like Paul Wolfowitz or something, and experiences like a half second of like mild homophobia or just social awkwardness, and like and and now he and this is his cross to bear, and we're supposed to like feel bad for him. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Nazi, he's a great guy and all, but he's, you know, he's an older man and he tried to gift me a village girl. And as I was looking at that dissident being lowered into a boiling barrel of oil, screaming alive, I couldn't help but relate to him because I felt uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Josh. Go fuck yourself. So, yeah, uh, I think we can close the file on Josh Fouch. Fuck off. I mean, he's just a... Piece of shit. A fuck fucking, yourself uh, forever. Disappear forever. Yeah, go fuck yourself forever. Don't, don't just log a, back just, on. He's, uh, he's going to try to do it. You just know he's going to wait a week. No, fuck yeah. you. Hammer him into a... Oh, move, and, and, move to a mountain by the way, where no one will talk to you. Uh, by the way, if you ever see his byline in any fucking uh, news or media outlet, write them off entirely. Because you, you know exactly, like, exactly how little they give a shit about their readers. Uh, do you want to talk about that 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 comic book movie asshole? Oh God, Matt, what's I'm, this guy's I'm name? I'm so pleased about this because I've been horrified by this fat idiot nerd for years now, and now because he's been a a, a vocal Hillary shithead online, people are uh, in the wider circle uh, that I that I associate with online are like, who is this asshole? And I'm like, that's Devin Faraci. Devin Faraci is the uh, proprietor of a website that is mostly a 
uh, it mostly exists to provide free PR for Marvel movies and the Disney company in general. Uh, and they will tell you that they're not being paid to do it and that they just love those Marvel movies that much. But honestly, I would respect him way more if he was being paid because a grown-ass man who's in his 40s loving this, this mediocre bullshit as much as he does is just just deeply saddening. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to ask, is he in his 40s? He's, he's, if he's, in his he's 40s, like 45 he years old. Fucking, like dude, he looks fucking terrible. He's, he he looks, looks 60. He looks fucking off. Dude, I know we tell you people this all the time, but Google image search Devin Faraci. This motherfucker looks like he abducts people and plays Yola Tango records for them. <laughs> so I wanted to post, read this. Post-punk this first, kidnapper. Yeah. This is the first paragraph of his Captain America Civil War review. And this is a movie that I'm sure most of the people listening have probably seen by now and that most people listening to have probably already forgotten literally everything about by now. Because it's just like every other Marvel movie. It is an enjoyable but bland uh, thing. It, it looks like it was shot on VHS camcorders. It looks like it was shot in an abandoned mall. There's some good fight scenes and you're done. But this is his review of this movie. Uh, remember, 45 years old. Captain America Civil War isn't just a great Marvel movie. It's a great movie. And that greatness, which is dependent in part on the groundwork laid by 12 previous movies, is the final proof of the concept that Marvel Studios first tried out in Iron Man back in 2008. It's the film that proves the shared universe concept isn't just cool and isn't just a great marketing idea, but that, when used right, it creates a kind of gripping, resonant, long-form storytelling that no one else has ever accomplished on this scale. Civil War isn't great despite being the third Captain America and 13th overall Marvel movie. It's great because of those things. Uh, no, like he, like he told someone to get her, someone who was criticizing him to, quote, get a real job. Like this is this guy's real job is writing like fanfic uh, movie reviews. But I, this. But here's the other thing. Yeah, what was that? And this goes back to his fucking uh, his hideous appearance. The other thing that I saw that was actually nauseated me more than anything is this like this is like this old clip of him. It's this video that he took of himself, and he's in a fast food restaurant, right? And he's got the camera like pointed around at his face. So half of it is you can see his horrible face, which like I would describe as like. It's like if a child grew like a Steve Earle style beard and hair, like that's what it looks like. And he's got bad teeth. And, and like, he's like I said, like a 45 year old man with this big gray beard. Gandalf with, like, the is Blight. Dressing, yeah, is dressing like a teenager. Like he's got like a hoodie and some dumb comic t-shirt on and a stupid baseball hat. And like half of the frame is like, is cooking up with his dumb grinning face. But what he's filming is like right over his shoulder is this guy in the fucking Burger King or wherever he is, like in the back booth, just nodding out on heroin. And it's just like, okay, um, like I've seen shit like that. My immediate instinct is not to just start filming it, but he's snickering the entire time. Like it's just his, his ugly face, just le snickering at this dude, like falling out on smack or whatever. And it was like, it really, it really turned my stomach. Uh, there's one thing that I wanted to point out about this gentleman that uh, that is one of my favorite things about him that we haven't talked about before, and that is that he wrote once wrote an article about how uh, the relationship between Iron Man and Captain America mirrored the relationship between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton in the hip-hop musical that we all know and love, Hamilton. Uh, okay, I, I just I don't want to even think about this guy anymore. I'm, really, I'm I, can't, gonna... I, can't, I can't take it. 
I'm going to go dark join world. the Hakani Network. <laughs> it's Thor <it's laughs> 2, The Dark World, when we think about this. <laughs> Just, oh, God. Imagine writing about Captain America Civil War like it's fucking Chinatown or something. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Forget it, forget it, Jake. It's Underworld. <laughs> 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 okay um so i i think uh, uh we have one more thing i think we should talk about on uh unrelated to the the, the brunig's uh brunig supremacy is uh we're, we're coming up on memorial day weekend so i think we should talk about chris kyle american hero i mean if there's one like like honestly if there's one thing like chapo is all about like what we love is Chris Kyle, American Sniper. Yep. We love everything about American Sniper, the movie, American Sniper, the book, American Sniper, the actual um, slightly uh, deranged human being. I, I <laughs> we like love the imagine... deranged human being. We actually like him the most. I yeah, like he's the best part. All right, I, I carry out my day. I snipe every all of my problems. <laughs> no, we, we regret... Honestly, I regret every duck that we that we let fly away on, on, on this show, and I, I I look up to Chris Kyle, and uh, again, I, it, it's um, fitting that he's back in the news uh, coming up on Memorial Day. But uh, uh, he was back because uh, there there was a couple of pieces out this week. First in uh, the Intercept about how. Uh, it's been like a well-known fact for some time that in his book and sort of post uh, celebrity career, um, he sort of like uh, inflated the number of uh, he inflated his valor by about a factor of one or two. Like he uh, and this is what's so weird about it is that like when I read the piece, I was kind of like, huh, like that's it. But like, it's just such an odd thing. Like he in, in the book and his subsequent appearances, he said he had something like six bronze stars and like two silver stars for valor. But like his official military record says he has like a one of each or something like that. He just sort of like doubled every all the number of medals he had. I'm seeing double like, here. Why would you even Four lie about bronze that? bronze stars. It's just like a thing. Like if you had th- like three bronze stars well, he for also, valor, he also like, why, why would you tell people that you had six? Because he also said that he was on the top of the Superdome during Hurricane Katrina shooting looters. And he told people that he uh, shot yeah. two carjackers in Colorado and then they covered it up because he was so cool. He was a compulsive bullshitting psycho. It's like he could not lie. <laughs> That's what makes him so fucking cool. Oh, it's fascinating. He's, he's the kid who's like, yeah, my uncle works at Nintendo and he doesn't, but his other uncle actually does work at the WWE. Like, he has, dude, he has all the trappings of every fucking crank internet poster who's like, yeah, you know, I was in the secret activities force. Uh, I used my gun to shoot a terrorist. And it's like he has the same bullshit lying, but he actually, like, did some of it, which, like, well, makes it... That's fucking awesome. That's what's so poignant about it, and that's why American Sniper, the movie, not only is it a piece of shit, but it's such a hugely missed opportunity, because... So, Chris Kyle is, like, the apex of masculinity. A lot of men in America who have a crisis in themselves of feeling like they're not man enough look up to. Like, he's the guy that kind of encapsulates an American masculinity that they aspire to, but know in their hearts they don't actually meet and therefore causes them anxiety and you know stress and then we find out that even he has that same sort of like constant need to ratify his masculinity to the point that even though he did kill a million hajis in iraq he had to come back and make up a bunch of other people he shot because it would never be enough (laughs) 
It's like it's the logic of he's like, capitalism. He's like, you know what? You know what will really endear it's, people to me yeah. uh, is that like uh, if I just tell people that I um fucking uh, blew the brains out from the top of the Superdome like twenty people in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Like what the fuck? Like, <laughs> but it's just, it shows that the lot that logic of capitalism also applies to masculinity at this point. We've commodified it to the point where it's this, it's 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 a un quenchable hole that you just have to keep filling and and if you don't have enough material you'll make it up even if you're it's like it's like the, the alpha it's, of elf yeah it's it's it's, ins- it's like for the guy who has all the valor in the world like what do you need he's still, more valor he's got to siphon off a little valor yeah <laughs> every yeah you know everyone wants a little more valor uh i think that's uh I think that's a good place to uh, to wrap things up for uh, this this first of our premium episode. So, first of all, I want to thank uh, again everyone who's listening to this because if you are listening to this, it's because you've uh, given us money and you've kept our families together at least for uh, this month. But um, what I what I what I want to implore you all to do is like now that we have this dope uh, secret premium content, like when you get this, I want you to like like take screenshots of your phone like playing it um talk about it like just just lie even if you don't like it just be like oh my god it's so much more next level than the 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 free podcast you can't even believe the shit they're saying um just like we want all the all the fiends out there just itching for that next fix of uh chapo so if you can just let the people who are still uh freeloaders who haven't joined the gray wolf um sea org yet um let them know that you know there's still room on the ship um and uh, we want them in in the inner circle. We want let you me, in the five percent. Let me go a little bit higher. If you are married and your spouse does not also support the podcast, forbid them from listening to the premium content. Oh my! Oh my God! I can't believe I we didn't say that immediately. Yeah, yeah. No. If you if you were a subscriber and you let someone who's not a subscriber listen to this show, like you might as well be the like, traitor Golan, like, frankly. Yeah, that is some Gulan worse shit. Worse than Gulan. That is even worse than Gulan. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, that is like the most suppressive act that you could possibly do to Chapo Org. Um, so yeah, like I this premium episode, I, I think we're gonna like do these. I mean, obviously we're gonna we're gonna keep firing them um, as as long as people are are still feeling it and still subscribing to the show. So like they're just gonna be kind of like shorter mini shows. We're gonna do more duck hunts, and more readings. Um, and I think, you know, this first one was just one big duck hunt with three ducks. They are, of course, um, just soulless uh, fucking hagfish uh, Joshua Faust. Um, Devin Farachi, is that his name? Uh, just unbearable fucking comic nerd. <laughs> and last but not least, um, just anyone who has slandered the memory of Chris Kyle or said that he uh, is anything less than just the greatest American hero ever, that's the biggest duck of all. And, and you know, yeah, How exactly. fucking dare you? How dare you, sir? So um, I hear motherfuckers saying that Simo Hoina from Finland is a better sniper than him, and I'm like, fuck you. Until until the next episode, until the next free episode, and then you in the inner circle, until the next premium episode. Thanks for listening, and thanks for paying. Yes, thank you a lot. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye. Not guilty, the filthy devils tried to kill me. When the news get to the hood, the niggas will be hotter than cayenne pepper. Cuss, bust, kicking up dust is a must. I can't trust. I crack
motherfucker in a blue uniform Stick a nigga like a unicorn Born wicked Lawrence Pow, foul Turn his fucking throat and I smile Go to Simi Valley and surely Somebody knows the address of the jewelry Pay a little visit Who is it? Can I talk to the Grand Wizard? Then boom Make him eat the barrel Modern day Pharaoh Now he's zipped up like leather Tuscadero Pretty soon we'll catch Sergeant Coon Shoot him in the face Run up in him with a broom Stick Motherfucker! Motherfucker.